All right. Welcome to a Cowboy Connection podcast. Be about episode 45. So it's Kevin and Bill with you right now. So uh, no Tad, no JR. So we're just going to start rambling. Bill's uh, right here in Matitsi with me. He's about 100 yards away from me, but he didn't want to join me in my office. So he's uh, he's sitting over in the bunkhouse. <laughs> well, the re- the reason the reason I didn't want to join Kevin in his office was because one of his uh, fine staff brought me the heater out of Kevin's office. Kevin's office is cold. My bunkhouse is warm, and uh, you know I just didn't want cold toes before this was over. It's true. It's true. That's how sacrificial of a guy I am. I told him, "Hey, uh, yeah. Bill needs a heater. You can take it out of my office and and uh, let him use it." So. Yeah, but so. a true sacri- a true, a true recognized sacrifice. You don't have to keep repeating and telling everybody about it, Kevin. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I guess that's a good point, isn't it? <laughs> but, but, but I, but I am appreciative of it with with the weather down here in in Matitsi and uh, my my family stayed behind. I'm down here teaching at Kevin's and CWAM's uh, uh, DTS school and my family's back home bearing all the brunt of the chores and they, they're truly ones making a sacrifice and I appreciate them too for what they're doing so I'm just concerned about the treehouse you're going to have to build those kids for all their hard work this week if it's going to if it's going to really be able to withstand the 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 storms and the and the wind up there in in Lewistown yeah well we, we anchor to a tree tight enough. We will get it. Yeah. I was telling Kevin, I was on the phone with him here before we started this. And I just tell him, thanks for taking care of all the animals and all the chores. And my boy, Josiah, who's nine, he says, well, dad, you just owe us a tree house for doing it. So um, he's a regular, regular little entrepreneur there uh, looking at uh, his financial and capital gain out of the thing. So uh, that's too funny. Too funny. Well, we uh, we were in John seven, and uh, uh, there, you know, Bill and I've had a couple of really good conversations. But one of the things that we didn't get to, um, I don't on the podcast, the last podcast we read through twenty four, John seven one through twenty four, but there's a there's a a section that that I think is is kind of important. I want to hit on and. Um, you know, we've talked about eating, eating the flesh and drinking the blood and, uh, you know, uh, Jesus talks about how his time has not yet come. I testify about it. Uh, you know, uh, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about that. It's works are evil. Um, if we skip down to, uh, 16 he says 716 he says my teaching is not mine but his who sent me if anyone's will is to do god's will he will now he will know whether the teaching is from god or whether uh, i am speaking on my own authority the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory uh, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true and in him there is no falsehood um I think that's pretty interesting, and we might want to come back to that, Bill, but I'm going to keep reading for a minute. Um, Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? 
The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? And Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you not angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. And you and I have talked about that on a couple of occasions. I think this passage right here says the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Bill, I think that I think with right discernment and, and right judgment, which we read in 24, when we listen to um, all the, the information that's available to us um, through social media, through the internet, and I'm talking about, you know, we could, we could, you and I could rattle off a name, a handful of pastors who we're a little critical of, we're a little um, judgmental of, because we feel like um, maybe they seem to speak on their own authority more than they do the, the authority of the Word of God. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair, fair um, statement. So, you know, we've we've talked about this many times we've said look three of the most significant disciplines of grace that have been given to us are the word of god prayer and worship and our brothers and sisters in christ that we're united with that are we're that are holding us accountable and we're holding them accountable um but the word of god is such a powerful tool that's been given to us. And we see this passage that says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Seeking the glory of the one who sent him, the Father, right, God. If we're seeking to seek in his glory, then we're using what he's given us. And sometimes that's words of wisdom, words of discernment, you know, uh, words of knowledge, uh, prophecy, you know, all those gifts that are given to us. But they all have to be tested with the word of God, right? We read in, um, my mind just went blank because it just came to me, but we read the passage that challenges us to, um, I think it's in Thessalonians. Help me, Bill. It says, do not despise the prophecy, but test it. Right? And we yeah, test I believe that. it's I believe it's yeah, it's it's I believe in Thessalonians, first Thessalonians five, if the I end, remember correctly. Yeah, the end of, of first Thessalonians. It challenges us, look, don't despise prophecy, but test it. And so as we can as we read this ending, this this passage, you know, from about 18 on to 24 you remember that we if you've listened to the last couple of podcasts we've said look jesus healed the the man on the sabbath 
and chose that particular man to heal, not to create some sort of theology, but to begin the process of his sacrifice. He, he, he was he was beginning the process. He was stirring the pot. He was he was he was he knew that by doing that he was going to upset people enough that eventually they were going to want to crucify him, right? And he says that I did one work, and you all and 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 you all marvel. Moses gave you circumcision, and you circumcise on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? You know, and these people, remember, we've seen in the previous six chapters, these people, these people following him are still hung up on, on earthly, fleshly, worldly things and not viewing this stuff through a spiritual lens. And, and they, they create all these additional laws, the Jews did, to keep them from working on the Sabbath, but they're still going to circumcise on the Sabbath, but they're going to be angry at Jesus for healing a man on the Sabbath, because that's unacceptable work. You can't do that on the Sabbath. And, uh, and so then we see this little section in, do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. And and you and I have talked about that because um, nowhere in the Bible do we do we just come right out and and say, hey, you're not supposed to judge. We're you know it's impossible for us not to judge because we're judging all the time. We're a judging people, and uh, you know Jesus just says, hey, look, you need to judge with right judgment in the midst of this. You need to understand looking backwards at what he's writing, if you're judging with right judgment, if you're using the Holy Spirit to help you judge with right judgment, you'll know that I'm doing the right thing. You'll know that I am he who was sent by the Father. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I want to rewind right back to, you know, where you were, one of your original, or what the statement you made of, you know, that's part of our core value is the biblical value is, is, that that idea that you know you have to be in the word of god you have to be in in uh um prayer and worship and spend time with the holy spirit and then also um spending time with with other believers because you know i can read the bible and and isolate myself to i'm gonna just it's just uh, i've heard that you know well it's me and jesus mentality and be honest, that's sin. I'll just say that right out because it tells us we're supposed to assemble with our our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I really that's feel really like important. Have right. That that's really important important point you made right there. That people need to understand we're commanded to be in fellowship with believers. So carry on. I'm sorry. Right. Well, no, that's fine because because and I guess where I'm going with that is is. I can read the Bible, and yes, I have the Holy Spirit, and I'm, and He lives in me, and I'm baptized in it. And I mean, I can, I can, I can give you all the same things that's probably going to be said to me if I say that to somebody that doesn't want a fellowship. But the thing with the fellowship of the believers is we all bring something to the body that will help us all to to uh, learn and grow 
to, um, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you know, it's the order of the worship service, if you will. I believe it starts in verse 26 through 33. And in the Message Bible, I like how it starts out. It says, when you come together, let everyone be prepared. It mm. doesn't say let the prophet be prepared or the apostle be prepared. It says let everyone come prepared. Yes, I know it's the Message Bible, but please, I guess if you don't like that, send Kevin an email and he can deal with you. But I'm just using that translation because it just says let everyone come prepared. And so I guess what I'm trying to bring out in this and going to this, uh, you know, to judging, um, you know, with right judgment um, is is when we when we when we live out God's commandments, we live out what His words say. Beyond you know, and I'm I'm an advocate of 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 read your Bible, get in your Bible. But I like what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said some people like to read their Bible in Hebrew, some people like to read their Bible in Greek. I like to read my Bible in the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so we have the author of the Bible to guide us and direct us and lead us as we read his word and so we incorporate all of this that god has commanded us to i think that part of the right judgment even is having the grace i need at times towards people because mm -hmm. i can write i can rightly judge in a legalistic manner and i believe i can also rightly judge with grace towards someone right you know, when i judge when i and, and if i don't fellowship with other believers that that have clay feet like I do. Sometimes I think my feet are pretty solid and I'm the one that has all the answers. And so I, I sit here and I look at this and I start thinking about that whole idea of right judgment. That's why God has ordained this body is so we can come together and we can within the body learn to judge righteously, but also as we judge those situations, how can I extend the grace to the individuals that they need? Because the reality is, is Jesus's whole motive and everything he's doing here is to glorify the Father. It's to bring forth the glory of the God. And, and he even said, he says, he didn't come to glorify himself. He came to glorify the one who sent him. And so that's the whole idea in right judgment. It's not about trying to throw anyone under the bus or, you know, I'll be the first one as we, we we get to chapter eight and the woman caught in adultery, the vow, I need to be the first one to drop the stone because you know I can't throw that stone. Mm -hmm. But yet on the other hand, can I can I have that attitude of Jesus that when I see somebody in sin or I see somebody that's that's not walking as Jesus walks, can I can I be gracious to help to restore him to what the word of God says? Yeah. And and you know that in that that's that's an incredible statement gracious enough to restore them that, that's such a powerful statement and you know the, the the word of god the bible is a thick book and it's full of of all kinds of knowledge full of all kinds of wisdom i mean it's just incredible it's so powerful that you're that we're in it so that we can understand that you know these are these are passages that we go over on a regular basis but if you know we read we read first corinthians 13 and everybody here who's ever listened to one of our podcasts know that we we value first corinthians 13 it says if i speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love i'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal okay so that's worldly wisdom you know, earthly wisdom, uh, you know, whatever it is, 
you know, whatever that looks like. The tongues of men and of angels without love, right? It says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And and look, you know, someone may be listening to this thing and 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 they may be you know there's there's a word that 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 in within a christendom called uh cessationism and it's a belief system that the holy spirit quit working through the powers of spiritual gifts at the end of the apostolic age and there's people that believe that uh, but there's oftentimes a lot of those people that believe that are still prophetic. They just don't want to admit it, right? They still have the gift. And, and that's my challenge to them is, Liz, you don't believe the gift of the, you know, I, I think there's a delineation between New Testament prophecy and Old Testament prophecy, and that's a conversation for another day. But prophecy is prophecy. And, and, and we all have the ability, if we're walking in the Spirit, to hear from the Lord when it comes to people. And I oftentimes ask them, those people that don't believe the Holy Spirit works that way any longer. Um, can you generally tell when someone's uh, someone's got a problem? Do you do you ever deal with somebody walking up and to you or meeting somebody and going, yeah, there's something wrong with that person. There's something going on with that person. I feel like that person is sick or in sin or whatever. And they almost always go, yeah, I, I experienced that. And I'm like, oh, I want to hit myself on the forehead and go, you don't seem to understand all of those things fall in line with the word of prophecy, a word of knowledge, you know, one of those things, right? And and so you can reject the idea or the concept of it, but that doesn't mean it's not true. And so oftentimes we we see people speak prophetically and it hurts people. You've seen it, I've heard, I've seen it. We've done it, right? Or someone, you know, someone says, uh, you know, whatever it is. I feel like I feel like the Lord's saying that you're in sin, and if you don't repent, you're gonna you're gonna go to hell. Uh, well, that statement's true, but that person may not need to hear it that way, right? And so, well, well, uh, what what you just said there goes back to that that First Corinthians thirteen is the, that love factor of it. You know, that's exactly was, right. What what was the motive of it? Just real quick, uh, a statement that I've heard Bill Johnson say on more than one occasion. He says, uh, you know, talk about the gifts and callings of, of God are without reproach or without repentance. And like he says, any jerk can have operate in a gift because they're free. It, it takes a man of God to operate in the character of it. And and there's oh, a that's lot so that's good. kind of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Is you know I can sit here and and you know point the finger at somebody and because I have whatever gift it may be you know the the best gift at the time but if I don't attach that that love to it um, then I'm just th then I'm not judging righteously is what I guess I would say so a little interesting thing here because I actually taught your students this 
and and it's something that somebody else had pointed out on me. If you look at the garment of the uh, uh, New Te- or the Old Testament priest in the tabernacle, they had on the bottom of their garments was a, a pomegranate bell, pomegranate bell, pomegranate bell, and that was really a prophetic or a, a foretelling of really the the bells were a representation of the gifts of the Spirit, and the pomegranates were a representation of the. Um, the 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 fruit of the spirit and if the two bells would have been together they would have just been in essence that clanging symbol they would have just continued to bang and not had love and so really if you start thinking about what we're talking about here and and i'll tie it back to verse 24 is to 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 not judge according to just appearance but to judge righteously we have to operate with both the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit, or else we're really just, you know, that clanging symbol, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's, that's so good. And, and, and look, the important thing to realize is we're going to tie this all back into that, this John seven passage, because we, you know, Paul goes on in 13 and says, if I gave away everything I had, how many times, how many people do we meet? Do we know how many times have we in the name of sacrifice or like, you know, I've been giving you a hard time about the heater, but that still in the name of sacrifice, giving away something, supporting somebody, but then turning around and using it against them, turning around and, and trying to, and doing it so that we can get a pat on the back. Like the, like the, the, the Pharisee and, you know, uh, uh, I've even forgotten in Mark, you know, when the, when the, you know, the, the 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 uh, the Pharisee and the and the uh, tax collector come before come before the the temple and the tax collector falls on his knees in repentance and the and the the publican or the Pharisee says well at least I'm not like this person I give I do all my things I do all these religious acts and I give and I'm so generous and I'm not like this tax collect this evil tax collector while the tax collector's laying on his face asking for forgiveness and and begging and so your generosity uh that is self-promoting or seeking your own glory isn't generosity but sin right and paul says love is and so we have this pay this 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 section that that describes to us what love is and it gives us the ability to say am i truly loving people we don't we don't have to ask you know, you and I and, and Jr. and Tad, we we challenge each other. We hold each other accountable. We, we reach out to each other. But at the end of the day, I don't have to ask you if I'm being loving in a situation before I go to the scriptures and look and see what love is, right? And so I see love is patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable. All those things are selfish. It's not resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And so I'm go, I go back to John 7, 24. It says, do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. And by judging with right judgment, it is tainted with love. We look at the, well, if, if we stay in 1 Corinthians and we look at 1 Corinthians 5.12, it says, Paul writes, for what do I have 
to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom we are to judge? God judges those outsides. Purge the evil person from among you. And so even Paul commands us, says that we judge the people, and we judge our body. We judge the body of Christ, and we do it with right judgment. And, and so we have all these things, like you said, not only the, the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit. And if one of the fruits of the Spirit is love, then we go to 1 Corinthians 13, and we see what love truly is. And, uh, and so we come back around to what is judging rightly? Well, it has to be um, defined by what we see in Scripture. What do you think? No, absolutely. You know, I'm just, I was, I'm, I'm looking at those, those scriptures above here as you're, you're talking and just the whole idea, you know, verse 20, it starts in and says, the people answered and said, you have a demon who is seeking to kill you, <laughs> which I just thought was kind of interesting here. They're basically saying Jesus is demon possessed and there's a demon trying to kill him. When the reality is, is the demons that were wanting to kill him were the ones standing around him, the mm. religious crowd, really, if you, if you will. But, you know, and it goes on and he says, Jesus answered and said, and said to them, I did one work and you all marveled. And, 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 and that one work refers to the healing of the, the cripple at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, and the only miracle Jesus had performed in Jerusalem up to this point in time was that. And yet all these people are up in arms over that one miracle that he did. And, and I think this is where um, I'm trying to, to put this into words is, is what I'm trying to do here as I read this. Cause then it goes on, you know, cause you, you take the law of Moses had been given, you know, two, 3000 years prior to this. So, so, you know, they're, they're here pointing their finger at, at Jesus. Uh, and, and it, because he did a spiritual act is what I see. He did something that was led by the Holy spirit and healed that person on the pool of Bethesda when they were all, you know, circumcising on the Sabbath, as it says here, mm -hmm. um, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to keep a, a, a religious appearance, I believe, more than it was. They weren't even, you know, the, the idea of circumcision to them, you know, obviously, as we, we know in the New Testament, it was just really a type and a shadow of the circumcision of our hearts. And yet they're just doing this, this uh, flesh cutting to keep a religious, a religious ceremony more than it was even anything in in my opinion especially with their attitudes towards jesus here to be anything as an honoring to god they're doing it as, as you know you know you know jesus says if a man receives circumcision on the sabbath so that the law of moses should not be broken are you angry with me because i made a man completely well on the sabbath and that's when he starts in about this this rightly rightly judging and i think that's the just there goes back to the whole thought of of when I, i'm judging someone it's really what you were saying about you know is that love tied to it what's my motives of judging someone and then i also think that you know yeah i go and i i i judge you know the individual i may be judging the sin i also think to rightly judge we need to be rightly judging the uh the um 
the, the spirituality of someone and how they are following Christ. I think we got to look at both sides of the coin. But if I'm judging somebody because of their sin or what their sin is, I think sometimes there too is, is how do we get to the root motive of it? Because a sin always goes deeper than what we see on the surface. Right. You, know, you know, the person that the person that's that's a drunkard, why is he drunk a drunkard? I highly doubt that it's because he wants to get sick and puke every morning. You know, he, I teach he, this, um, and and you're 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 dead on. I agree hundred percent with you because I draw a tree on a board and, and I put fruit up on top of the tree and I write <clears throat> on those fruits, I write things like anger and drunkenness and addiction, addictive personality and, ang and, and, you know, dissension and all these character traits that identify people so often. And then, and, and then I, I always point down to the roots of that tree because you're, you're, you're so right. There is a root to those sins. You can't pluck the the bad apple off the tree and expect that tree to be healthy. You have to go to the the roots of that tree to determine why that tree is unhealthy. And the same goes for the for the human being. Go ahead. You're 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 making a point. I want to I just wanted to agree with you on that. No, and that's you know really at the end I think you 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 you've put a bit of a, a, a some summation to what I was trying to say here, but it's just that whole thought of and, and I have to challenge myself with it more and more all the time is what's causing it. Why are people doing what they're doing? Because like you're talking a lot of times the, the fruit or the sin is the bad fruit of something. There's something mm -hmm. in their life at the moment, or there's something in their past. And, 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 and so but but like I also like I said, I think to rightly judge, we also have to look at how are they growing in the Lord? Where are they from the last time that we've been around them, or or you know, or if we're in the, in fellowship with them, you know, what what's growing in their life? How are they becoming uh, more closely to God? Because to rightly judge that, I think is important, so we can encourage them along in that direction too. So it's 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 a two edged sword, you know. Um, but, you know, I think I was listening to a message, uh, I think it was yesterday, and it was called God's at War. And I, the reality is, is I, I can't even remember who it was. It was uh, uh, one of the guys that go to church with me, sent me a link to this. And he says, at the end of the day, all sin boils down to idolatry. Mm -hmm. All sin, in essence, boils down to idolatry because we're trying to make a God of our own in some way or another. And there was a there was a lot of truth in that I could see, you know, if 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 I become selfish, it's because, well, I didn't get my way. And so I'm going to make that my God, if you will, mm -hmm. or or or, you know, I mean, you can go through all the list of, of the, the sins. And and at the end of the day, because he was he was talking about how he was having a conversation with his nine year old daughter and they just went through. She just memorized the Ten Commandments. And so he was going through all the Ten Commandments with her. And, and you know, have you done this? Have you done this? And and she admitted to all of them. But the first one, you know, not making a God in your own image or, or idolatry. And she says, well, no, Dad, I've never done that. And that's where he started to minister to her how, you know, idolatry is not 
not necessarily building a, a, a physical structure, but oftentimes it's the sin in our life that we've made into an idol or we've made something to be our God because we don't rely on the living God ourselves. And, and so there's a lot of truth in that idea of the individual may be doing this, this, and this, but they've set up an idol somewhere in their life that's that's above god for some reason and what we you know there's a multitude of reasons why people may be doing that but i think you know and it's going back to what you're you were talking about in 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 this idea of these gifts of the spirit i i really am, i'm becoming somewhat concerted in studying the gifts of the spirit because i believe if and well the bible is very clear it says to desire the best gifts and so as i'm hopefully as it says here uh, judging righteously or judging with right judgment that the gifts of the spirit can come in and i can start having a word of knowledge of of how this person was broken and hurt by their mother because of this this and this and that's why they set up this this idol in their life and it's not because you know it's not because i want to you know <laughs> the dateline addition to something it's hopefully because in the end I can come alongside them and minister the word of God to them to see them grow or to overcome those, those sins in their life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough to, it's tough to have that mentality though, you know, that it's such a powerful Testament to, to the place that you've grown in your relationship with Jesus, when you have that desire to help people that way, to see people um, get healing, get restoration, get Jesus, who are oftentimes the most disliked people or the hardest to like people in your community, right? And that's why it's so powerful to have the word of God in front of you, to have that spiritual relationship with Jesus where you're constantly praying with him because by judging with right judgment, we're looking at people through the lens of Jesus Christ and going, that person is created in the image of God. You know, we, we, we go, we can go all the way to James and, and, and read, read the passage about, about the power of the tongue and and it you know james says to us um you know look uh good water and poisonous water cannot come from the same well when he's talking about the power of the tongue he says um you cannot uh Uh, from the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And, and so it's so important for us to realize that if we back up, you know, if we read all of James 3, we find out that with our tongue, we praise God, and with it, we curse man who is made in the image of God. And, 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 and James says to us, this is not acceptable. And so we have to look at mankind, no matter who they are, 
and 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 find a way to have the heart of Christ for those people. And and that's an important tool in judging rightly is having the heart of Christ towards mankind. And and so since, you know go ahead. So since you led us to so I mean I, I absolutely since you led us to James and he said let's let's back up some here look at you know James and the whole thing because you know in James chapter uh um three thirteen through eighteen it says you know who is wise and understanding among you let him show by conduct that his works are done in meekness and wisdom and it goes on and says but if you have bitter envy self-seeking in your heart do not boast and lie against the truth this wisdom does not descend from above but is earthly sensual and demonic because you know righteous judgment will have heavenly wisdom tied to it is what i where i'm going with this Man. so if my if my if my my judgment brings this bitter and envy and self-seeking in my heart and 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 boast against the and and lies against the truth that wisdom descends from above and is is earthly and sensual and demonic and then it goes on and says, for where there is envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and everything evil thing are there. And so, man, I stop and I think about that. If if I'm not rightly judging, if I'm judging with all of this bitter and envy and self-seeking, because, you know, we can we can call somebody sin out. And at the end of the day, we can be self-seeking. We just want to mm -hmm. magnify how bad they are. You know, we it's kind of like right. we we're talking about. Yeah, but you were talking about the, you know, the tax collector and the and the and the publican, you know, the publican sitting there going like, well, at least I'm not like him. And and I think when we're self-seeking and we call someone else's sin out, it's pretty easy to be going like, well, at least I'm not like so and so. Look at the sin mm -hmm. he's doing. And so then it goes on here and it says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness, oh boy, look at that. The fruit of righteousness, we're to judge with righteousness. Mm. It tells us in, in, in John chapter 7, 24, I'm getting all just like excited over here. Partially it's because that heater's working well too. and I'm warm. <laughs> but, 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 but it says, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so you, you just take that since you took us over to James, man, it's just like the Holy Spirit started showing me because right judgment, we will judge with the wisdom from above or the wisdom of God. And right judgment brings that that pure is pure and peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. I mean, man, if I judge someone and I'm not willing to yield and probably I'd say above all of what the Holy Spirit's doing in that moment, it, it's going to mm. become demonic in nature. You yeah. know, and then it goes on and says, full of mercy. Man, if my judgment doesn't have mercy tied to it and that it's going to bring some good good fruit and, you know, at the end of it, it's just going to be sown in peace and, and it's going to make peace. And so, 
you just start looking at that kind of stuff. I mean, granted, we all we all know there's some people that no matter how righteously you judge, they're not going to accept it in the moment. But we got to walk right. away from there knowing we've got to walk away from there knowing that we planted the seed of God into their lives, and that 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 the Holy Spirit will bring you know judgment and, and conviction uh, and, and of their uh, sin and their righteousness. So, but I just man, that just that just blessed me. Well, I'm, I'm still reading in James because, you know, it, it 18 ends with um, is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now, now this is an important thing because remember, we know if we go back to Matthew five and we read about uh, the, you know, blessed are those who make peace, the peacemakers, right? It's right. not the, the not the passive, non-confrontational people that avoid conflict and call that peace, right? This is people who make peace. These are problem solvers, people out there repenting, doing the works of God. But he goes on in four and and look, this may be this may break out into a Bible study of the book of James right now. <laughs> what causes quarrels among you? We're still talking about John 24, 7, 24 right and judging rightly because we have to realize inside our heads and our hearts are we capable of judging rightly and we see scripture it says what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you is it not this that your passions are at war within you selfishness bill selfishness your yeah. own passionate selfish desires for two you desire and do not have so you murder you covet uh, and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions, selfishness. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is uh, to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, God's, it, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Repent, you double-minded. Be, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And he's talking about judging harshly, right? And so you you're you're you know you're you're dead on the 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 book of James sits here and supports John 7 when he commands us to judge with right judgment in the midst of life. 
Now, contextually, he's talking about as we view other people and what their actions are, because that's what he's talking about, himself and the Pharisees, himself and themselves. He's saying, judge rightly. And we see all over Scripture the power of what it means to be a follower of Christ and to judge rightly. But right, you know, right, right in the middle of what you read, um, you know, John, or excuse me, James 4, 7 through 10, I don't know if I like to use the word formula, maybe the principle or the, maybe the command is better yet. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Before I start judging with any kind of judgment to be a right judgment, I have to be submitted under the judge himself. I have Amen. to be submitted under God himself and, and to resist the devil that, that, that he, that he will flee from us. And then it goes on and says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners and purify your heart and double-minded. So for all of you that are sitting out there and you know what it says over in the book of Matthews about removing the plank from your own eye before you try to get the speck out of your brother eye, us two sitting here and the other two that are on here, we're always willing to do that because I believe each and every one of us sit here on a daily basis and, and we're, we're, we're doing what this, this seven through 10 says here, it says, therefore, submit to God. I mean, I know for myself um, how much daily I want to seek God. I was actually thinking earlier, I had a statement earlier come to me, and God says, you keep your head so down looking into your word of God that, that you will know where you're going, and every once in a while, look up so you can see where I'm taking you. Mm. And and so you you keep yourself in as we were talking that that in the word of God, fellowship one with another, prayer and worship. And so then you see, you know, that just that whole idea of draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And this whole thing is that that cleanse your hand, you sinners and purify your hearts, you double minded lament, mourn and weep and your laughter to be turned into mourning and gloom into joy. And, you know, that's really, that's just about staying in a place of repentance before God. Um, I'm going to jump forward a little bit into to John. In the book of John, I was 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 talking to Kevin about this, this message. I was listening on the way down here, and I can't even tell you who the guy was, to be honest with you. But he was talking about in John chapter 13, when Jesus called the disciples out, the 12 that had walked with him the closest for the last three years. And he says that there's one amongst you that's going to betray you. And he began to say, you know, that they begin to say, is it I, Lord? Is it my, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? And then Jesus finally said, it's the one that sups with me or, or dips the bread with me that it'll be. But the, the, what the guy brought out in this, and it, it applies so much to these verses right here. He says, those that walk the closest with God will be the first to be concerned if there's sin in their life or not. And so, you know, that, that's, I just think about these scriptures here, because that's what it is, is calling us to that constant place of repentance, that constant place of, of keeping ourselves pure before God, because it's a lament and mourn and weep, and your laughter be turned to mourning, and your, your, your joy to gloom. You know, unfortunately, there's 
and I'm, I'm going to try to say this delicately, but I'm about as delicate as a bull in a china shop. Unfortunately, there's too much teaching in the in the in the church right now that we never address anything hard because we all have this hard life anyway. I'll be honest, a lot of people's hard life is because none of these hard subjects have been been brought up in the church because they're stuck Amen. in their own sin. They're stuck in their own sin, thinking that 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 you know we we grace is just this cheap license to live the way it is. I'll tell you what, the more I live for Christ, yeah, there's a weight that becomes upon me, but it's a weight that he's willing to carry because, because I yoke myself with him, that I, I walk with him, that, that a lot of those things that, that used to agonize in me, they're gone and I'm free of it. So he goes on and says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. And so I just, that, that section right there, if we stay in that place of, of, of James chapter 4, 7 through 10, right judgment is easy because we're walking with the Lord. We begin to hear what the Lord is saying about situations. We're dealing with the own, our own sin and our own life before the Lord, and we're keeping ourselves pure that, that to judge something else righteously with the right heart becomes really we begin to judge with the heart of God. Mm. Yeah. Oh, man. That is so good. That is so good. Yeah, you um, you brought up Matthew seven, and um, you know everybody knows Matthew seven that that has has ever spent a second talking about it. You know, we we see these, we see shirts, we see things. Don't judge me. That that became a popular catchphrase. Don't judge me. And and so just real quick, reading Matthew seven. Judge not that you uh, be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in, in your brother's eye, but do not remove the log that is in your own eye? Um, so, you know, Jesus goes on. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. Uh, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And and so, you know, the, the principle there is it's not saying don't judge, right? Jesus isn't saying don't judge. He's just saying, look, with a standard, you judge people. That's the way you're going to be judged. And, and so you need to make sure that you're uh, working on yourself first, that you're doing business with God first. And, and we're such a, you know, in our culture, you know, in our cowboy culture, we're such a prideful bunch. Um, oftentimes, you know, when you call yourself a, a follower of Christ, if you call yourself a Christian and, and, you know, uh, someone, a, another Christian sees you in the act of sinning. Uh, biblically, they're supposed to call you out in that sin, whether they know you or not. But most, most Christians won't do that. They'll make excuses. They're like, well, I don't know that guy, and I don't know his story, and I don't know. We have a responsibility to call our brothers and sisters in Christ out in their sin, but most of the time we're not going to do it. <laughs> The important thing to remember is that we have to be um, working on ourselves. We have to be 
removing the log from our own guy. We need to be accountable to people, right? And so if we're honestly, if, if we refuse to be accountable to people, then, then it's hard for us to go hold someone else accountable. But there's a whole lot of spiritual leaders out there that don't want to be held accountable, but are more than willing to hold other people accountable. Uh, let me ref- let me let me repeat that. There's a whole lot of Christians, spiritual leaders, Christians, period, that are more than willing to hold other people accountable to their sin, but they're not willing to be held accountable to their sin. And I'm I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. That's sin, right? Yeah, absolutely. Let, let, you were you were talking about the whole, you know, we have an obligation or responsibility if we see somebody sinning to to whatever, call them out on it or, or to bring them into a place of accountability. Going back to James chapter uh, five, verse 19 and 20, it says, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. That 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 right there. I mean, I I, I go to we, we were talking yesterday in 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 class in in John or excuse me Matthew chapter sixteen verses thirteen through nineteen or right in there where it talks about you know that he has given us the keys to the kingdom of God and that 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 the gates of hell should not prevail against us. And, you know, for us to sit here and and blatantly watch somebody wander from the faith or wander in their own sin and and not lovingly restore them back to the body, what we're doing, in my opinion, and and, and you you, you all can correct me here, but in my opinion, if somebody's wandering from the truth, all I did was step aside and say, well, there's the gates of hell have at it. Mm. Ooh, that's a gut punch, isn't it? I mean, Ooh. really, I mean, I trust me, my guts, I, I'm sucking air here too, Kevin. So, you know, yeah, it's, that's a, that's, it's, that's a gut punch, man. That is so true, so, Bill. And so you just sit here and you're like, so, you know, for me to sit there and watch a brother in Christ or even a non-believer, because we have an obligation to the world around us. You know, the meanest thing we can do as Christians is, is, is not tell somebody how to get to heaven. We, mm-hmm. We're basically just telling them to go to hell. Yep. And so you sit here and you read this, and if if I'm not actively pursuing God and who he is and the fullness of He who he is, trying to see who I can step in front of at the gates of hell and say, there's a better way, I'm stepping to the side and say, have at it. You can step on in. And granted, we know there's people that will reject you clear to the end, but the reality is, is we have no reason to give up. Until they draw their dying breath, we have no reason to give up on them. Yeah, I think about all the people that could have gave up on me, and I would not be sitting here today. Well, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we come back to uh, John seven twenty four, and, and we see that that Jesus is is being obedient to the Father. Um. Uh, we know that that Jesus that, that that the Father had a plan and he put it into action and 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 Jesus had a responsibility to 
to be obedient to the Father, to be obedient to the plan that the Father had put into place. And that plan was for Jesus to come and be a sacrifice for our sin, to, 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 to die, to be buried, and to be resurrected for our sin, to be the spotless um, sacrifice, the sinless sacrifice, to be the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament for our sin. And look, you know, if you, if you don't know Jesus, then I recommend you get to know him. And if, if you know, if you claim to know Jesus, but aren't obedient to him, aren't in relationship with him, then my challenge to you is you probably don't know him. I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying you're not saved, uh, but the possibility exists that, that, that you may not be saved. And so repentance is, is the key. You've got to change directions, change your ways. You profess Jesus as Lord over your life, right? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and so you profess Jesus as Lord over your life and, uh, and then begin to walk out a life of obedience to him. And you will see change and transformation happen. All the passages we read tonight are passages that, that say, hey, th look, this is what my followers look like. This is what my follow what I want my followers to look like. Jesus says in 724, do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. That's what he wants his followers to do. That's what he wants them to look like. And so my challenge to you is to take this passage and apply it to your life. Are you mm. judging with right judgment? Mm. Are you walking out your life, looking around at people and judging rightly? Are your decisions based on right judgment? Are your decisions about people based on right judgment? And uh, and so, uh, Bill, I think as we wrap this this conversation up, um, I just want to I just want to give you an opportunity to 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 share anything that's on your mind. If you have any final thoughts or anything that's stirring in you, you know, as, as you were talking about uh, repentance and and uh, around a little after the first of the year, my wife and I had stepped away from ministry for about three months. And there was a lot of things that were going on in our life. Um, you know, I'd, I'd had the death of my dad and we'd lost some pretty valuable horses and stuff. And and even prior to that, some of this stuff had been bleeding over into my marriage. And, and, and I hadn't been, you know, uh, the godly husband and father I needed to be to my family. And so we'd stepped away from the ministry for about three months. And part of it, yes, was rest. I hadn't, hadn't um, had a sabbatical arrest since I'd started the church, uh, pastoring at the, the church in Grass Range for uh, for about 17 years. And, and I was getting road weary from a lot of things, but it really had given me an opportunity to step back and just start repenting uh, before the Lord of some of the 
the ways I had been, you know, just really not fully following him. And, 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 um, and I'm not looking for pat on the back or accolades. And, and a couple of weeks ago at the, uh, um, after church, one of my elders came up to me and he says, man, I see a considerable difference in you and your life right now, Bill, and even how you're preaching and what's coming out of you. And I share this story because that's what repentance does for you. It, mm -hmm. It's it's not, you know, so often I think people hear the word repentance and they it's almost treated like it's this nasty word that, you know, somebody's going to find out about everything bad thing I've ever did. And the reality is, is yeah, the Bible's very clear about repenting one to another that you may be healed but you find those trusted guys in your life like kevin and i have that relationship and my elders have that relationship that they can come alongside you and restore you and walk through things with you but the end result of repentance is really growing in the grace and the knowledge of the lord jesus christ and becoming becoming uh more like jesus and in and and the reality is is and it's 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 renewed a, a, a greater passion in me to follow Jesus. And mm. you know, like I say, part of it is, is I was just tired. There there was so much about it, and to be honest, the, the sabbatical had a lot of its own challenges during it. But I was able to just step back from my everyday uh, responsibilities of of ministry and life that way, and start to say, how can I get right before the Lord? And I'll be honest, my marriage with my wife has, has improved drastically. Hopefully she would attest to that also, but I feel like it has improved, you know, drastically. My relationship with my children has grown better. Even my relationship with my, my church body and, and friends have, have improved. And so, you know, when Kevin was talking about just, you know, the idea of repentance again, it just was on my heart to share that testimony with people out there because you know as spiritual leaders uh, we have our own challenges we're not sitting here that you know we're next to jesus and we have this celestial thing that we never have our own challenges matter of fact oftentimes we're faced with greater challenges because yes. we become a greater target um and so i just want to encourage you all if, if you're in that place repentance is 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 an amazing thing it's, yeah. it's, it's a freeing thing. You know, the Bible says that, that if you sin to confess your sins and Jesus is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Mm. And so I, I'd say them are just really my final words to, to people on, on tonight's podcast is just, if, if there's things in your life that need to be confessed, um, obviously you can do it between you and the Lord, but grab trusted people, people that, that you're in relationship with and say, hey, this is going on in my life. I need you to come alongside me and, and help hold my arms up or, you know, whatever biblical term we want to use here and walk through this with me because I want the freedom that Christ is offering to me. That's good. That's good. And I sure appreciate that. Why don't you close us out in prayer, Bill? Man, Father, holy cow, you're an awesome God. You're a worthy God. We thank you, Father, for your presence, even tonight as we're doing this podcast. And, and, and thank you for the Holy Spirit to, to direct and guide us. And, and really, 
illuminate such a controversial subject at times. And at the end of the day, Father, we know your your judgment is always for the good. Mm. For always for the betterment of us. And that truly it's to grow closer to you. And so right now, as 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 in probably many ways, judgment is going forth. We just ask that it is because you are truly drawing us closer into your presence. We thank you, Father, for the ability to uh, share your word through this podcast. Help us to always keep it as a holy thing. Uh, 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 Keep it in reverence to you above all. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. If you have any questions, by all means, send us an email. Find us on social media somewhere. Uh, Our email is acowboyconnection at gmail.com. That's acowboyconnection at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll pray for you. We'll send you send you a Bible. We'll help you however we can, if we can. And uh, we appreciate you being a part of this thing. God bless.